Thank you for listening to the following sermon from Pine Grove Community Church in Rylander, Wisconsin. For more information, please visit us at pinegrove-wi.com. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Well, good morning. Uh, How many days till Christmas? Yeah, 15, 14 sleeps, however you want to count it. Thinking about that, what does that do? Are some of you excited about that? Yeah, you're excited? How many of you, when you hear the number of days to Christmas, go, oh no, I'm not ready? Yeah, all right, probably the difference is kids and adults. Well, as we head into this Christmas season, we are all about celebrating Jesus. But we also uh, have a tendency to have things get in our way and confuse us. But our focus really is on Jesus. And so today, uh, I want to simply start with some different fun sayings that we have around Christmas. So, do I have a PowerPoint? There, okay. So this is our sermon title, but here's some of those fun sayings. You get to finish it. Christmas saying, Jesus is the reason for the... Yeah, right. Wise men still seek Him. Christmas isn't about presents, it's about His. Yeah, you got it. And the last one, Christmas begins with Christ. You got it, you guys. Our goal and our purpose is to be focused on Jesus Christ, but we live in a day where everything around us is taking our attention away from Christ, isn't it? Everything. It's about these gifts. Gifts are good. They represent the gift of Jesus Christ, but it separates us from that focus when we get consumed with the gifts and the different things of Christmas. And so today, my hope and my prayer is that we can be focused on Jesus alone. He is worthy of our attention. He is what Christmas is about. And you guys, because this is what we're going to be digging into here in just a little bit, I want to remind you about the awesomeness of Christ. And from that, for that, I'm going to read from Colossians 1. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, and He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by his blood on the cross. You guys, this is the one we are talking about today. This is the Jesus that we're going to see in very humble human forms. The one who spoke and it was created. So keep that in mind as we go. So, for what purpose did God send this creator, this Messiah, Jesus, to earth. Over the last couple weeks, we've looked at to glorify the Father. We've looked at to save the world. 
But today we're going to look at to judge. I got to tell you, this is a fun one, right? I mean, doesn't that excite you? I want to come to church today and hear about God sent Jesus to judge. Our passages today are all in the book of John, and so we're going to read through them. If you want to go to John chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 18. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Turn with me to John chapter 9 in verse 39. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. And then John chapter 12, verse 48. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. You guys, that is the word of God. And we're going to be digging into that a little bit as we go. But let's start with prayer. Father God, you are worthy of all praise. We exalt you. God, we are desperate for you, and we are so desperate for Jesus, whether we are aware of this or not. And so, God, during our time together, I ask that your word would speak truth. Lord, would you give us the ears to hear your word? Would you give us eyes to see? And God, may you be exalted alone. And so, Lord, we just pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. At Fort Wilderness, uh, I work out at Fort Wilderness, and one of the things I've seen as an icebreaker over the years is uh, a weird game, I'll be honest. I don't like it. But I've seen it, okay? And, uh, and so one of the things that they do is they'll put different things, like you see the A under this sign here and a B here. I don't have any more in the back, but they'll put something under, you know, C and D. And then they will say something, and whatever you... If you match with this one, you go to that one. Does that make sense? Here, I'll make it out a little easier. Go to group A. Don't move. But you would go to group A if you believe that listening to Christmas music or watching Christmas movies only after Thanksgiving. How many of you are there? Oh, my. Small number. I'm in that group. Okay. Group B. If... It's for those who say you can listen to Christmas music or watch Christmas movies anytime you want. How many of you are there? All right. Do you see how something as simple as Christmas music or movies divide us? Something that simple can create a division. In fact, that division might exist in our home. Yes. That division just as a great example of all the things that we have created that divide us from each other, right? Uh, Some of us may divide ourselves from people from Illinois. And so we create these crazy divisions. But I want to know, what is the division that Jesus has created? When you hear that God came into the world, that Christ came into the world to judge, you may think of Jesus coming as this mean, cruel God who has come to destroy everything. 
Maybe this is your image. This is a picture representing Sodom and Gomorrah, which God did send judgment on because of their sin. And you might be thinking and living in such a way right now that you're just not sure if I commit one more sin, zap. And you live in great fear of a judgmental God. And some of you have just given up. And you're just like, whatever. But what does God's Word tell us about God being judged? About Christ being judged? You see, as we look today, what I hope you will see is this. That on His first coming, when Jesus came and was born as a baby, when it talks about Jesus coming and being the judge, it talks about Jesus living the perfect life, the life you and I couldn't live. Jesus setting a standard that you and I could not accomplish, but that standard is what you and I would be judged by. Jesus set the standard to which you and I will be judged. But we also see that Jesus paid the punishment for that sin. So you do not have to be judged according to your sin. Jesus' first coming, He came as a baby. Many missed Him because they were expecting Him coming as a king, as a military ruler. As you read God's Word, you may need to adjust your thoughts on what it looks like for Jesus coming in His first coming as judge. So what we're going to do, going to give you a quick overview of what the plan is. We are going to take a look at these passages of Scripture, some more in depth than others. All right. So John 3, John 9, John 12. And so we're going to start with a high view. We're going to kind of zero in, and then we'll bounce right back up to the next. So we're going to look at these three different scenarios. But here's what I need you to understand. The context of God's Word is super important. So at the beginning, it may have seemed like it fit a little bit as I read each of these verses. But you're just taking what you hear of that verse, Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, and you automatically just go with what you think. But what is the context around that? Context is so important. In fact, the late Stuart Briscoe used to say this, if you take the text out of the context, you're left with a con. You're left with something that isn't true. So we need to know the whole context of Scripture. It comes in time. We need to understand the context of John. So to start, go to John chapter 1, because all these passages are in John. And I want to just point out a couple things that help us understand the context of the book of John. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You guys, in just this little bit, we see a couple things that are the theme of the book of John that are important for us to understand. One, the divinity of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God. That is what John the book is all about. John wants us to understand Jesus is fully God. Luke, Jesus is fully man. John, Jesus is fully God. Another thing we see is that 
Jesus was the life in verse 4. But that life was the light of the world. Throughout the entire book of John, John is dis- has this contrast between light and darkness. So throughout the whole book, we're going to see it several different times in these passages today. But here's what I need you to get. It's even greater than that. John continues in 1 John 1, 5 through 6. This is a message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you. That God is light and in him there is no darkness. If you say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So when John is contrasting light and darkness, he is contrasting sin and righteousness. Remember that as you turn with me to John chapter 3. Again, we have the context of the whole book. Now we're getting in the context of the chapter. John chapter 2. John chapter 2, Jesus performs a miracle at Canaan, right? It's the wedding. He turns water into wine and people are like, woohoo, I want on that bandwagon. And Jesus continues to do these miracles. And then Jesus does something that you and I would not approve of. He walks into the temple and he starts throwing over tables and he's kicking people out and he's angry. And you and I are like, eh, I'm out. He just made a big public scene. Jesus lays down the line and starts to tell the people, the Jewish people, the, the Pharisees, the leaders of the Jewish Judaism, This isn't right. You've misunderstood God's plan. And so with that, we roll into chapter 3. Chapter 3, you guys, many of you know this. Hold on, i got a question before I dig in. Did anybody bring rocks? Because I don't want to get stoned today. I'm kidding. But John chapter 3, we see this. We see introduction to this. It says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. I'm not going to spend as near as much time on this as I want to. (laughs) And I'll just be honest, why? Because uh, this really needs a lot of unpacking. But many times we have heard that Nicodemus, he comes to Jesus in a very friendly, secret way to learn about Jesus. But there's a couple things you may know, need to know. One, the name Nicodemus is a name of a guy who was a ruler and it was inherited the name and a military guy. He was a Pharisee and a ruler. That's not very common, right? Generally, the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees and the rulers were not always together. And so this is this guy, Nicodemus. This man came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is is with him. So again, I'm presenting not as a fact, but as a possibility that Nicodemus came representing Judaism and opposing Jesus. Jesus, the one who just did this great, disturbance in the, in the synagogue there. Why did he come by night? Well, what do you think most farmers do during the day? They work. When do they have time? Night. When do we have presidential debates? At night. 
Why? It's because everybody can see. The point of this message is not this, so I'm going to keep moving. But I want you to see that Jesus comes to create a division between people because of his next statement. Verse 3, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus just created a a, a division between people. And you're saying, what do you mean Jesus created a division? Unless one is born again. Now, that word, and uh, I'll try to make a poor excuse on how to uh, pronounce it. Maybe. Anothon, something like that. Anothen. Can be translated born again like a second time, or it can mean born from above. We have heard the word born again so many times. But what Jesus is saying here, whether he meant born a second time or born from above, is this. You were dead in your transgressions of sin. You were dead in sin. And there is no way to enter the kingdom of God unless you were born by the Spirit of God. You were born again. That is the only way that one can be right with God. Now you have to understand this guy Nicodemus. He is educated. He is the top of the line. Nicodemus had done all this hard work so he could be right with God. And Jesus just throws out and says, you are not, you cannot be, because you're not born from above. Or born again. Not spiritually reborn. You guys... Maybe that's you. Maybe you, like me, grew up in a good Christian home. You dotted your I's, you crossed your T's, and it's not good enough. Because it comes down to, have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? In fact, we see that. A little later on, we see in John 6, verse 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have a eternal life. For God did not send His Son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Here's one thing I want you to get before we move on. There are people who believe God so loved the world that He came to save the world. We're saved! But Jesus doesn't stop there. It's not just everybody is saved. It is those who believe on the name of Jesus. That's it. The context here is Jesus Dividing and saying there is one way to be saved and it is by putting your belief wholly and solely on Jesus Christ alone. So you guys, if you want to look at the division, the great division that Jesus has created is you're either born again or you're not born again. That's the categories that Jesus created in this passage. Uh Right before we move on, I do want to point out one thing, though. One more thing. And that, thing, that one more thing is, in verse 17, 18, sorry, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already 
who makes the decision on whether you believe or not. Now, I am not opening the huge can of worms that goes with this. Because does the Bible say that you are called if you're a believer? That you are chosen? Yes. But here we also see there is a choice in this matter. So don't create a battlefield over, well, you don't have to do anything. God calls you, he moves. Or, no, 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 I'm going to go and put my faith in Jesus Christ alone. Yes, you need to hold fast to God's word on what it says on both. But let's not be divided over that. We are divided over whether we put our faith in Jesus or not. That is the division. John chapter 9, here we go. This one's going to be, we're going to, a little quicker, less of a dive in, but it's another scenario. I love this, you guys. God's word happens, and we read it, and we go, yep. But you have to remember and think about what it would have been like to be there, because this is a historical, biblical event. It's not just some tale that Jesus made up. This really happened. And so in John chapter 9, we see, starting in verse 1, and he by, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who has sinned, this man or his parents, that he has been born blind? Stop right there. Think about it for a second. You're walking down the road. I don't know if you guys have been in countries where there are beggars or places where there's beggars on the side of the road. When I was in Jerusalem, in Israel, and going through Jerusalem, they're grabbing your arm. They're trying constantly to get your attention. So they're walking by, and here's this guy born from birth, and normally when they're on the side of the road, they're begging. Alms for the poor. But do you notice what the disciples say? Whose sin is this? Do you see what they just want to do? They want them judgment. They want to decide who's at fault. You and I do that all the time. Don't we? We see scenarios. We see people that are dealing with things and we want to go, well, hmm, is this their fault? Is this their sin? Boy, and you know what? There is times James tells us that we are in bad situations and sick because of our sin and we need to repent of it. But don't be so quick to jump to that because what does Jesus say is the purpose here? Jesus said the purpose is, in verse 3, it is not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Remember one of the purposes Jesus came to do? Glorify the Father. I don't know what situation you're in the midst of right now. Hardship, challenge. You may be having a hard time just existing. What is the purpose of your hardship? It's not just coincidence. The bottom line of what's going on in your hardship, you guys, and I know there's hard things is that Jesus Christ would be glorified. That's the purpose of it. Don't get sucked into these sidetracks. Stay focused on bringing glory to God through the midst of your hardship. In this situation, the, Jesus goes on and He heals the man. And then the man goes and He washes. And as He's going, people look at Him and go, Is He the man that was blind? And all of a sudden, they can't agree. It says the Jews can't, that some did not believe he was the man who had been blind. 
You and I make this excuse all the time. Man, if I was there and I saw Jesus heal this person, I would believe. Haven't you said that? Haven't you heard that before? Here they are. They're right there. This guy they walk by every day. Jesus heals them. And they go, is he really that guy? Don't downplay the power of God in your life. So the scenario continues, and this guy, he gets drugged to the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees, again, were the religious leaders. They were very much stuck on tradition. And they're like, hey, this guy was healed. Now, instead of being people who are like, praise God, let's glorify him, they go, we have a problem. The problem was, it was the Sabbath. Now, the Pharisees are very much about traditions. The Sabbath is very important. In fact, it tells us in Exodus chapter 20, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you should labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is Sabbath to the Lord, your God. So, when I was in Israel in 2019, one of the weirdest things on Saturday, on Shabbat, We're sitting in a lobby of a hotel, and all of a sudden, the elevator door opens, and nobody comes out. You're like, that's kind of creepy. And then a little bit later, the elevator door opens, and nobody comes out. And we actually got up and looked inside going, is there some kid in there messing around? Do you know why the elevators did it? Every floor, the elevator stopped, the door opened, because it's considered work to push a button on an elevator. They've taken God's Word, and they've expounded on God's Word to the point that they begin to add things that is not what God had in store and in mind, and then they build traditions on it, and they hold it to the same level as the Word of God, and you do the same. I do the same. We look at people and judge people on standards that we have added to God's Word. But this is what I love about Jesus. If you will, drop down with me to verse 35. This guy, he gets kicked out of the synagogue because he mouths off to the Pharisees. Read it, it's awesome. But verse 35, Jesus heard that he had been cast out, and having found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you see what Jesus did here? There's this big uproar, this big arguing about all this stuff, and Jesus just boils it down to one thing. Do you believe in the Son of Man? You might be sitting here going, it's more complicated than that. Jesus says, no, it's not. Do you believe? in the Son of Man. You see, our challenge is, is we often will have Christ plus works. It's called partial atonement for some. You see, there are some that believe that Jesus, when He died, paid the punishment for your sins. Now it's up to you on how you live, whether you'll be good enough. That's partial atonement. He gave you a blank slate just like Adam. See if you can do better. But Jesus' division is full atonement. Put your faith on Jesus Christ alone. 
you look in verse 39, because this is what... And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into the world, that those who do not see may see, and those who may see may become blind. Isn't that crazy? Jesus is saying, the Jews had the word of God. They had the revelation of God. But they chose to reject it. And in that, there's a blindness. But the Gentiles who are in darkness, the light of Christ has come so that they can see. Now the Pharisees hear it, and of course, they're like a little bit offended. And so we see them say, Are we also blind in verse 40? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say, we see your guilt remains. Life hard to understand. Jesus is not playing Yoda and trying to make life hard to understand. I believe there's a lot here, but I believe the point is there is none without guilt. When we, because Jesus Christ came and lived that perfect life, there is none without guilt. Whether you've been raised in the church, whether you're Jewish, whether you this never heard the gospel or the word of God before, because Jesus came, there is none without guilt. Last one we're going to jump to is John chapter 12. And as you're going to John chapter 12, again, the division that Jesus created in John 9 was those that were blind versus those that could see. John chapter 12 is kind of like Jesus summing up all a lot of this. And so, in verses, starting in verse 44, this is what Jesus says. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my word has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Again, most likely in a very public place, Jesus starts shouting this. We would have been felt awkward. But what Jesus is doing is proclaiming the truth. And he summarizes this. Jesus did not come to judge on his first. He came to set the standard. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But you can choose whether you reject Jesus. In this we see that Jesus is talking about the difference between light and darkness. Where are you today? Are you in the dark? Are you living in a world of sin? And, and again, as we've talked about before, just because you've said this prayer, there's no such thing as a hocus-pocus prayer. It's about believing on Jesus. Jesus is drawing it to a point that says, there's a difference between light and darkness. Where are you? And that difference is based on your faith in Jesus Christ. So we've seen that Jesus is really drawing a division between people. Those who are spiritually 
dead and those who are spiritually alive. Those who are blind and those who are see. Those who are in darkness and those who are in light. And so the question today is, have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Now many of you, from the time you were young kids, have put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I'm going to ask that during this time, you don't tune out the gospel. Because that's what we do, right? I've heard this before. It's not for me. But this is what I'm going to ask that you do. I'm going to ask that you pray for those around you who have not yet believed. Pray with all that you are because you know that you do not deserve eternal life. You deserve separation from God. You deserve hell. But because of God's mercy, you have been saved. Pray that God would choose this day to bring those that are here that are in darkness into light. Because I want to share just in our last few minutes what we mean when we say the word believe. You see, often we talk about believing in Jesus Christ, but what does that really mean? Does it mean that I believe that He exists, that He was a historical person, that He was a good teacher? No. Do you believe that Jesus is God? God the Son? Do you believe that Jesus became fully man and came as a baby born in the major as we celebrate this time of year? And he lived a perfect life, meaning a sinless life. Do you believe that your sin separates you from a holy God? Because we all have sinned and fall short of God's standard, perfection. Do you believe that the penalty of this sin is death, spiritual death? Remember, Adam and Eve were born, born they were created physically alive and spiritually alive. But when they sinned, they died spiritually. You were born spiritually dead, physically alive. That sin that you and I inherited and have done separates us from God. We are spiritually dead. Do you believe that Jesus was the blameless, spotless, perfect sacrifice who died in your place for your punishment of your sins on the cross. It is extremely important to understand and believe that Jesus was righteous and perfect in all of His ways. You see, the Old Testament called for a sacrifice. But that sacrifice was to be spotless and blameless. Here's a picture of a sheep that has eaten too much of a poisonous weed. It's called rape, is that weed. And doesn't look so healthy, does it? It would be looking good for you and I standing before God. We cannot pay the punishment for our sin to be right with God. But Jesus Christ was the spotless, perfect Lamb. He came and died in our place. Do you believe this? That Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection made it so that you can be right with God. Jesus overcame sin and death. And as a result of this, you can be right with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means when we say, do you believe? 
You might be saying, you don't know the things that I've done. And I'd say, you're right. But I want you to get this. It's not about what you've done or what you haven't done. Because as we look at the Old Testament, here's something that's spectacular. The Jews were to bring this sacrifice. And then, why did they bring the sacrifice? Because they had sinned. And the priests inspected the person who brought the sacrifice? No. They inspected the sacrifice. You guys, when we come to Jesus by faith, believing on Him, it's not you being inspected on were you good enough. It was on whether this Lamb, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, was worthy to pay the punishment for our sins. You guys, that is God's mercy for you and for me. Jesus' second coming, His first coming, He did not come to judge, but we see briefly, I'm, not, I'm only going to read one verse, it's three verses, but one section. Not anyone who comes to me, this is the second coming Jesus is talking about, who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Isn't it interesting that they said they did all the spiritual stuff? But Jesus says, I did not know you. How do we know Jesus Christ? By believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. By choosing to put your faith and totally surrendering to Him. It's not Jesus plus something else. It's Jesus alone. So I'm going to finish today with a really quick story that I hope is a reminder in a small way. So yesterday, Markel, my daughter, decided she was going to have all her sister-in-laws and uh, cousin over to bake Christmas cookies. And then after they were done, you know, later in the day, the boy, the guys were going to come over and we were going to have supper. And for supper, we were going to have my absolute favorite meal, or at least in the top one. Okay, the cowboy beans. You got to put a cool name on food, right? So cowboy beans. And so we were preparing cowboy beans, and I was being helpful. And so I was putting ingredients in. You know, I put in the mustard. I put in the brown sugar. I put in the apple cider vinegar. And then just to make sure I had the, was doing it right, Diane was by the recipe, and I said, Hey, what, how much mustard am I supposed to put in? And she said, Eight tablespoons, or teaspoons, teaspoons. And I had this horrible sinking feeling. Now, I know the difference between a big T and a little T in a recipe. Right? Tablespoon, teaspoon. But I had put eight tablespoons of cider vinegar in this. So I'm going to save it. Because I'm cheap. Put a little baking soda in there. Put more sugar because that covers everything. And Diane goes, well, how bad is it? And she walks over and takes a smell and goes, Phew! and about gags. But I take a taste and go, I think it'll boil off. She takes a taste and about loses her cookies. We had to throw it all out. What's the point of this story? 
When I sat down for dinner that night, I was so glad to have been warned about the stuff I had made was bad. And we made a whole new batch that was amazing. Do you know what Christmas is? Christmas represents the coming, the first coming of Jesus Christ. And in there, there is a warning of his life that he lived. He gives us a warning that is without faith in Jesus Christ alone, you will be shocked on that judgment day if you have not put your faith in Jesus alone. God in his great mercy gives you the warning. Put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. Those that do have spiritual life and will live eternity forever with him. And those of you that do not will spend eternity separate from God. His mercy is great to give us this reminder for Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great love for us. Lord, in many ways, this is such a simple message. Would you help us to hear your truth and to choose life in the way that we live each and every day? May Christ be exalted in us. In Jesus' name, amen. As you go today, for those of you that are believers, this is my charge for you. Choose today to live for Christ alone. Be such a bright light in the world around you that people see Jesus. If today you are someone who does not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, my charge to you is don't wait. Choose to in the back to put your faith in Christ alone. If you have more crush questions, we're going to have some people in the back room to be praying with you or ask a believer around you. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God bless you.